as you are seated this morning, I want to ask if you would, first thing, if you would take those deacon nomination forms that I mentioned earlier in our service, and if you would uh, just simply pass those to the ends of the aisle. You can just fold it in half and pass it down to the end of the aisle, and some of our deacon men will come around to gather those up so that they can uh, begin the process of sorting through all of the, the names and the information there. So if you'll do that. We're also going to be in Judges chapter 4 this morning. Dusty, I want to give you a few of these that someone had given to me as well so I don't forget. Judges chapter 4 and 5 this morning, we're going to be studying the story of Deborah and Barak. Deborah was one of the judges that God used to lead Israel in this season of time when they were being led by the judges, and so we'll see this story this morning. What we have seen throughout our study in Judges has been that God continues to raise up these judges to lead his people and to deliver them from the hand of the oppression that they were under. And the oppression is always a result of their sin and, and turning their backs on God. And when people cry out to God and God hears their cry, he sends a judge to deliver them to lead them, and then there's a season of peace. But then after that season of peace, what we find is that, again, the children of Israel fall into this pattern of sin, this continual pattern, habitual pattern, if you will, of sin. And, and we'll see some of that, in, again, in this passage that we're going to study this morning in Judges chapter 4. And on the back of your worship guide that when you, you received when you came in this morning, there's a place where you can follow along and take notes with the message this morning, you'll be able to kind of uh, keep up and even fill in a few blanks here as we work our way through the teaching points of this morning's text. And so I want to begin by reading Judges chapter 4 that will walk us through the story of Deborah and how God used her as a judge to lead Israel. So read with me in Judges chapter 4 beginning in verse 1. We're going to read all of chapter 4 which tells this story for us. And it says, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. Now remember Ehud was our left-handed uh, judge, our left-handed deliverer last week. And, uh, and several people who were left-handed came to me after church and said something along the lines of, what do you have against the lefties? And, and the answer is, nothing at all. I was just making the point that Ehud's left-handedness was a part of what God used in the story of how he worked in, in, in that situation to ultimately bring about his plans through Ehud. Uh, I have nothing against lefties. I've got one of my children is a lefty. And uh, truth is, if you can throw a baseball fast enough and you're left-handed, you can make a lot of money these days, uh, can't you? And so, uh, but Ehud led God's people to, to rally together after he killed Eglon, and, and then they rallied together and, and threw off the oppression of the, the Mesopotamians, and God delivered his people through the leadership of Ehud. And after that period of time, of 80 years, when there was rest in the land, we see that again they fall into this pattern of sin. And verse 2 tells us, And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Now, this is important, again, that we understand God's role in all of this. The Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan. See, now the Israelites knew that they were God's people. And they knew that as God's chosen people, they knew that they, that they had a, 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 a sort of a special status, if you will. 
with the Lord. That God often worked on behalf of his people to deliver them, to bring about their good in situations where it was unexpected, where you wouldn't think that they would be able to win a victory for instance, and yet they would win a victory because the hand of God was with them and because God was leading them. And part of what happened is that Israel just began to expect that in every situation, in every circumstance, that God would always deliver them because they were his chosen people. And so they fell into that complacency trap that says, well, I can do whatever I want. I can live any way that I want because in the end, God's going to bless me. God's going to take care of me. And, and they failed to honor the Lord and their eyes drifted to worshiping False gods, the, the Baals, the Asherah that we've seen, and those were false idols. And as this happens again and again, God allows them to be conquered by or oppressed by one of these foreign peoples in the land of Canaan, peoples that they should have driven out initially anyway, people who were occupying the land of Canaan when they took possession of it, when God gave the land of Canaan to them, we see in the book of Joshua, and because Israel was not faithful to do everything that God had told them to do, meaning that they didn't rid the land of these people entirely, now again and again we find that they are drawn into this trap of worshiping these foreign gods, and, and, and God delivers them into the hands in this situation of the Canaanites, Jabin, the king of the Canaanites, who was ruling, it tells us, in Hazor. And it goes on to say that the commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harosheth Hagoyaim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Now, when you read about these chariots of iron, think of it this way. In this day and time, the chariots of iron were like the, 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 the tanks, if you will, of their day. These were, these were formidable weapons in war, these chariots of iron, because they were virtually indestructible from from the attacks of you know foot soldiers, if you were carrying a sword or uh, a spear or some kind you know or some kind of infantry, and these chariots of iron came storming down the battlefield at you, there was virtually nothing that you could do to stop their advance. And so, people who had this technology, this this uh, this ability at their disposal, often conquered. Others and, and had the mightier army. You see that in the story of the Philistines, who were known for their use of chariots, and the Canaanites here in this particular situation, who had 900 chariots of iron. And so this gives them a distinct advantage on the battlefield, but we'll find out that that advantage later becomes a liability when God visits his providence on the hand of his people Israel. Verse 4 tells us, Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. So Deborah was a woman of God who was a prophetess known for speaking the word of the Lord. That's what a prophet would have done, right? A prophet or a prophetess would have been someone who delivered God's word to the people. And that was particularly important in this period in time when the people had wandered away from following God. They had wandered away from honoring God and doing what he had called them to do. They were worshiping these false gods, these, these idols. And yet Deborah, as a, as a prophetess, spoke the voice of God 
to the people of Israel, calling them to turn from their sin, calling them to honor God, to obey Him and follow His instruction. And she began to develop a reputation as someone who spoke the words of God. And so she would sit at this particular tree, which interestingly enough became known as the tree of Deborah. And there at the tree of Deborah, people would come and they would line up to hear her wisdom and her judgment over over different matters. And so she was known as someone who spoke with wisdom. She was known as someone who spoke with the authority of God, who, who delivered God's voice and, and, and spoke on behalf of God to the people. And so this position of leadership of influence is very important. And we see in verse 6 that she sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you Go, gather the men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 of the people from Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops. And I will give you, rather will give him into your hand. And Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And 10,000 men went up at his heels, and Deborah went with him. So God is speaking this word through Deborah that Barak is to lead the, the army of Israel, 10,000 men strong, to gather at Mount Tabor. Now, Mount Tabor is a mountain, uh, a high place that looked over this valley, this valley that was known as Kishon. And in the valley Kishon, there would be times during the, the rainy season when the valley would fill with water. The rains would fall heavily in the rainy season, and, and the valley of Kishon, which sat to the east of Mount Tabor, Tabor was surrounded by mountains or high country on all sides, and so as the rains would come, the valley would, would, would swell. The river that ran through the middle of the valley would, would fill with the tributaries off of these mountains, and, and it would, it, the ground itself would become saturated with water in this valley, but that was during the rainy season. This was during the dry season, and so God is calling during the dry season when you would not expect rains, and that would not be an advantage for Israel, that God is calling the army of Israel to gather on this mountain, and he's going to draw out Sisera into this plain, this plain of Kishon. And there, God is going to deliver Sisera and his army into the hands of the Israelites. That's the word that God has spoken through Deborah to Barak. And Barak says to her, I'll go if you will go with me. Because he recognized that God's hand was on Deborah. Because Barak recognized that the Lord spoke through her. And he wanted to go and be led by the hand of God. Because he understood that with God, they could conquer anyone. And without God, they would be conquered by virtually anyone. And so Barak understood what was at stake here. Verse 11 tells us, Now Haber, the Kenanite, had separated from the Kenites the descendants of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak in Zananim, which is near Kadesh. Now, you might think at first, why this detail? Why, why do they give us this detail? It will become important in a few moments that this, here is Heber, the, the, the Kenite, who is sympathetic to the Israelites because of his connection to 
Hobab, also known as Jethro, the father-in-law of of Moses, and has pitched his tent as far away as this oak in the north in this country of Kadesh, while the rest of the Kenites settled in the south. So he separated himself, he removed himself from his people, the Kenites, and not only did he separate himself from them, but he was sympathetic to the Israelites because of his connection to Hobab. Verse 12 tells us that when Sisera was told that Barak, the son of Abinadom, had gone up to the Mount Tabor, Sisera called out all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the men who were with him, from Herosheth Hagoyim to the river Kishon. And Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. Now, in this chapter, in chapter 4, we don't see a lot of detail as to how this would have happened. We know that God delivered Sisera into the hand of Barak and the Israelites here. But if we read in chapter 5, chapter 5 also tells this story through, uh, through prose, through a, a poet a poetic song that Deborah has written to retell the story of God's deliverance in his hand with his people. And if you read in chapter 5, what you find is that God sent rains and that God flooded the valley of Kishon with rains during the dry season, nonetheless, that God flooded the valley with rains and the rains caused the chariots of Sisera to become stuck. These heavy iron chariots couldn't move in the mud of the valley of Kishon in the, as, it, as it filled with water. And so God sent these floodwaters to essentially to cause the, the, the armies of the Canaanites to be of no use, of no good whatsoever. And then the Lord delivered the Canaanites into the hands of Israel by, by doing these things that were entirely unexpected, right? We see in verse 17. Excuse me, I should go back. I, I, missed, uh, I missed verse 15 and 16. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. And Barak pursued the chariots and the army, the army to Harosheth Hagoyim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. The entire army was wiped out that day. But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber. Here again is the tent of Heber, who has separated from his people, now lives in the north in the area of Kadesh. That's where Sisera has fled, expecting that he would find someone who would help give him shelter, someone who would, who would help him in his moment of need. Because we see here in verse 17, for there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazor and the house of Heber the Kenite. And so there was peace between the king, Hazor, that Sisera served, and Heber. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. She's hiding him now from the armies that are pursuing him. And he said to her, Stand at the opening of the tent, and if any man comes and asks you, is anyone here, say, No. But Jael, the wife of Bear, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. And then she went softly, and she drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground 
while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. And so he died. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. So he went into her tent, and there lay Sisera dead with the tent peg in his temple. You could say that she made her point. Wait for it. If it doesn't come to you, wait for it, right? I worked hard on that one too, by the way. Verse 23, And so on that day God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the people of Israel. And the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. So what does all of this have to do? Well, we see that God intervenes on behalf of the children of Israel again, that God sends the rains and the floods to to virtually strand the, the army of the Canaanites there in this valley. Their chariots stuck of no use to them. All the advantage that they, that they assumed to have had in battle, gone now. And this army of 10,000 swarmed these 900 chariots and destroyed all of them. Every last one of the army were killed. And even Sisera, who fled on foot, came to the tent of someone that he assumed would help hide him. And yet God used this woman to deliver the people of Israel because she was sympathetic to their cause and drove this tent stake through the temple as, as Sisera lay there asleep, exhausted from battle. And so what, what do we make of all of this, how God is working in all of these circumstances? Well, I want to make some points as we, as we kind of break this down and study our way through this text this morning. And so follow along with me on the back of your worship guide as we, as we look at some points here that I think will teach us some, some important lessons in the story of Deborah. The first point that we see is this, is that Deborah remained faithful to God when others turned away from following him. So we find that in the story of Israel that Again, the children of Israel have fallen into this pattern where they, where they are no longer, no longer honoring the Lord, where they are chasing after these idols, these foreign gods. They are distracted by the, the gods of the peoples around them, the very people that they were supposed to drive out from the land and remove entirely, but because they didn't obey God fully, now those things lingered to cause them to fall into sin, like a temptation. And, and so again and again, Israel fall prey to this temptation, and yet Deborah remained faithful. And because she remained faithful, God spoke through her. God used her. And we see the second point in your notes is this, is that because she was faithful, God gave her great influence. And so God used Deborah as a prophetess. Now, there are only, there's only one other time in the Old Testament that this title of prophetess is given to a woman, and only two other times in the Scripture where a woman is spoken of as a prophetess or delivering this word. So Deborah was in an elite category here of women that God used in this way. Now there are some important lessons that I want us to learn in in thinking about who Deborah was and, and the way that God used her. But first and foremost is this idea, because she was faithful, God gave her great influence. I don't think it's any I don't think it's any mistake or or uh, just, just a mere circumstance that God used a woman in this period of time. Now, a woman is not the kind of person that you would have expected to have led Israel in this way, because typically in a male-dominated culture in, in ancient 
life in ancient culture, ancient society, in, in a world dominated by men, you would not have expected a woman to have risen to this role of prominence and leadership, and yet God's hand was clearly on Deborah. Now, there are a lot of things that we can learn from that. One of them is this, is that God gifts women with the same gifts that he gives to men, the same spiritual gifts and the same talents and the same abilities. Now, God has different roles for us to play, and I think we've talked about that uh, at length over the, the years, that God uses uses men and women in different roles and different ways that he's laid out according to his purpose and his plan. But women have great value in roles of leadership, in, in roles of service, in roles of influence in the life of the church, even today. And God continues to use women today in the life of this church and other churches just like it to do amazing things. I praise God for the women who serve this church, who are faithful to 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 serve in different roles of leadership that God has given them, who faithfully and sacrificially give their life to the life of this church, who give their time and their energy and their, and, and their, their very best to serve this church. And Deborah does that here in leading and in influencing her people. And, and I think we learn from this lesson among many great things that we can learn is, first of all, that because of her faithfulness, God gave her influence, but I think also the fact that this is a woman points us to the fact that God wants to use women in key roles of influence and leadership in the life of the church. Women, when you see this and you see the role that Deborah has, has played in this story here, you need to understand that you too can be used of God in great and mighty ways if you will allow him to work through you, through your faithfulness and your faithful service to his kingdom. And so God uses Deborah. Of course, men, that doesn't let us off the hook because we are called to be faithful as well. The same is true for us. If we will be faithful, God will give us influence. And so Deborah's influence is a product of her faithfulness to God. Because she remained faithful, the Lord uses her. The Lord speaks through her. And look at what Deborah does with this influence. The next point in your notes is that Deborah used this influence to lead others to act on faith. Her role as a judge was in calling the people back to a right relationship with God. Her role as judge, as she sat under the tree of Deborah and, and issued judgment for people, right, is what this passage tells us. Her role as judge was telling people, this is what the word of God says. This is what the word of God has, has instructed us to do. We ought to live this way. And so people would come to her and they would ask her to make judgments, to, to weigh in on things. They would ask for her wisdom, for her counsel. And she would give that according to the word that God had given his people. She knew the word and she spoke words of truth to people speaking on behalf of God. That was her role as a prophetess. And, and so she used her influence to lead others to act on faith. When Barak comes to her, notice that she speaks boldly. She sent and summoned Barak, the, the son of Adonoam, to her. So she, Deborah is the one who calls Barak to her, first of all. And when he comes to her, notice the boldness that she speaks to him with. Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, go and gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun? She knew this was the word that God had spoken to Barak, and yet he had not done it. And so in boldness, she basically calls him out. Listen, what are you doing? Didn't God tell you to do this? Get to work. Do what God has called you to do, right? She's speaking with boldness, using her influence to lead others to act on faith. Barak, in his mind, must have been thinking, that's, that's madness. 
we'll now be trapped with the, the army of Sisera there to defeat us because he's thinking this is the dry season. That's, they hold the, 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 the advantage in battle, and yet because of her faith in God and her trust that God had delivered this word, Deborah calls Barak to obey God. And what's Barak's answer? I'll go if you'll go with me. She says, I'll go with you because she's using her influence to lead others to act on faith. And then ultimately we see this point in this story of Deborah, is that when Israel followed the voice of this godly woman, they were delivered from their oppressors. And so when Israel listens to the voice of God, which in this instance happens to be, happens to be delivered at the mouth of this godly woman, Deborah, and when Israel listened to the voice of God, that the word that God was speaking, when they followed the Lord, we see that he delivers them again from their oppressors. How does he do that? Well, just as he spoke this word of prophecy through Deborah to Barak, through a woman, right? Through this woman, Jael, who Sisera was trying to hide out in her tent, and yet she... She used this situation, she worked in all of this to be the instrument of God for delivering his people from their oppression in this circumstance, in this situation. And so we see that when when they follow God's voice, God delivered them. God gave them deliverance. And so there's some points of application that I want to make in the text this morning. Some, Some points that I think continue to speak to us, things that we can learn, lessons, if you will, that we can learn from this story of God's faithfulness in the life of Deborah in using her to, to lead and deliver his people from their oppression. And the first point that, that, that I think this teaches us is this, is that if you're faithful in the little things, God will trust you with even bigger things. Because Deborah was faithful in the little things, God trusted her with bigger things. Deborah's, Deborah's role as a judge must have begun small because she was a woman. And it would not have been easy for a woman to have gained the kind of influence that Deborah had. So I would, I would suppose that it began rather small. One or two instances where God spoke through Deborah and used her to speak his word and others recognized that, hey, what Deborah said came true. And over time, more and more people would come to Deborah and more and more people began seeking her out for advice, for her judgment to the point that she begins holding court essentially under this tree of Deborah. She begins holding daily sessions, right, where people would come to her. And, and, and it started small, but over time it grew. Her influence grew. Why? Because she was faithful in little things, and so God ultimately trusted her with even bigger things. And what an important lesson that is for us, because so many people today want God to trust them with the big things, and yet they fail to honor him and to be faithful in the little things. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is delivering a a, a parable, a teaching to his disciples. And we call it now, we call it the parable of the talents. And two different times in this parable of talents, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, in telling the story of the talents, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And again, in verse 23 of Matthew 25, in telling this story, we, we hear again, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. The point is this, is that 
that God will use us in big ways if we will honor him in every small way, in all the little ways, right? But that we will not be used in big ways either if we cannot be faithful in the little things. And so, so many people long for influence. So many people long for position. They long to be recognized, to have some kind of of great influence around them. And yet the ones that receive that are the ones who will honor honor God and be faithful with the little things that he has entrusted to him. So the, the question naturally is in your life, what are the little things? What are the little things that God has called you to and are you honoring God with those little things? Are you taking the daily steps of simple obedience that will set you up for those great moments that often catch us unaware when God intends to do something big through us? If you want God to use you in the big ways, you've got to honor him in the small ways. Secondly, we see this. God gives you influence so that you might use it. Now that may seem simple enough, right? God gave Deborah influence so that she would use her influence to ultimately deliver Israel from their oppression. God gives you and I influence so that we would use it for his kingdom. You understand the reason that you hold the the type of influence you have, the reason that you are in the position that you are in, in the place where you are in your life, is not just circumstance. Your life is a part of God's divine plan that he is working in you and through you for his kingdom, for his sake, for his glory. You understand that, right? You, you didn't just happen to be where you are in life, in the places where you are by chance. It's not just some blind cosmic force out there. It's not that it, God is at work in the circumstances of our life. And that if we will yield ourselves to him, then he will give us influence. But the reason he gives us influence is so that we will use it. Not for our sake, but for his sake. For his kingdom, for his glory. That's what he's done here in Deborah's life. He's given her this influence so that she would use it. And when God gives you influence, he intends for you to use it for his kingdom. How are you using your influence? In what ways are you leading others to follow Jesus? In what ways could the people in your life say, you know, I want to be closer to God. I want to, I want to, I want to be I want to be in step with what God has for me because of what I see in your life. In what ways is God using you and your influence to have an impact on the lives of people around you? God has given you influence so that you might use it for his kingdom. Finally, we see this. That when we experience God at work, we need to be quick to give him praise. Notice in this situation that Deborah knows that ultimately the glory will go to God in this story. She says to Barak in chapter four, she says to him that the glory will not be his, right? The glory will not be his because God's gonna use a woman. He's gonna deliver Sisera in the hand of a woman. She recognizes that the Lord is doing all of these things, that the Lord is the one who is delivering his people. He's at work in these circumstances. And so what we have in Judges chapter five is essentially a song of praise that Deborah has written, giving praise to God 
for all that he has done. And so she, she turns this story of what God has done into a song of praise, reminding God, reminding the people rather, of what God had done to deliver them. And in the same way, when, when you and I experience God's work in our life, we have a choice to make. Are we going to try to rob the, the recognition for ourselves, right? Are we going to try to hold on to that and steal God's glory? Or are we going to be quick to turn the praise back to him? Listen to what Deborah says in Judges chapter 5. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day, that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes, to the Lord I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water, the mountains quaked before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned. The travelers kept to the byways. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. When new gods were chosen, then war was in the gates. Was shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 in Israel? My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless the Lord. Tell of it, you who ride on white donkeys, you who sit on rich carpets, and you who walk by the way, to the sound of musicians at the watering places. There they repeat the righteous triumphs of the Lord and the righteous triumphs of his villagers in Israel. Then down to the gates march the people of the Lord. Awake, awake, Deborah, awake. Break out in song. Arise, Barak. Lead away your captives, O son of Abinoam. Then down marched the remnant of the noble. The people of the Lord marched down for me against the mighty. From Ephraim, their root, they marched down into the valley, following you, Benjamin, with your kinsmen. From Machir marched down the commanders. From Zebulun, those who bear the lieutenant's staff. The princes of Issachar came with Deborah, and the Issachar faithful to Barak. And in the valley, they rushed at his heels. Among the clans of Reuben, they were great searching of heart, why did you sit still among the sheepfolds to hear the whistling for the flocks? Among the clans of Reuben, there was great searching of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And Dan, why did he stay with the ships? The Asher sat still at the coast, staying by his landings. Zebulun is a people who risked their lives to the death. Naphtali, too, on the heights of the field. And the kings came. They fought, they fought the kings of Canaan at Tanakh, the waters of Megiddo. They they got no spoils of silver from heaven the stars fought. From their courses they fought against Sisera. The torrent Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon, march on my soul with might. Then loud beat the horse's hooves with the galloping, galloping of his steeds. Curse Morose, says the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants thoroughly because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, the tent-dwelling woman most blessed. He gave, rather, he asked for water and she gave him milk. She brought him curds in the noble's bowl. She sent her hand to the tent peg, her right hand to the workman's mallet. She struck Sisera. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. Between her feet he sank. He fell. He lay still. Between her feet he sank. He fell. Where he sank, there he fell, dead. Out of the window she peered, the mother of Sisera, wailing through the lattice. Why is this chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the hoofbeats of his chariots? Her wisest princesses answered. Indeed, she answers herself. Have they not found and divided the spoil, a womb 
or two for every man, spoil of dyed materials for Sisera, spoil of dyed materials and embroidered, two pieces of dyed work embroidered for the nexus spoils. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. And the land had rest for 40 years. So what do we see is that Deborah was quick to give the Lord praise. It says that the very day that this happened, right, it says that day she sang this song. That day she cried out her praise to God. And so too, may you and I be quick to give God praise when he works in our life. And to not try to steal the spotlight for ourselves, to not try to, to take the credit for, for ourselves or, or, or to draw attention to ourselves, but instead may we be quick to give God praise when he works in our life. And so we see in this story of how God uses Deborah and the influence that he's given to her to lead the people that he might ultimately deliver him. You know, when we look at the world around us, you could, you could rightly say that the world around us, there's a lot of people who are living under the oppression of their sin, right? In our world today, you can look and see all around us, all kinds of instances, even, even just here in our local community, you see all of these signs of the, the brokenness in the life of people. And the brokenness, ultimately, if we, if we were to really dig deep and, and, and get to the heart of the matter, the brokenness that exists is a result of sin in our lives. The brokenness of our sin. And our lives are wrecked and ruined by our sin. Who would be the, the Deborahs of our day the people of our day who would listen to the voice of God, who would use the influence that God has given them, who would be faithful in the small things that ultimately God might trust them with even bigger things, that they would use their influence to lead people to trust in the Lord and to follow him, lead people to act on faith. That's who God wants us to be as his people. God wants us to follow the example of Deborah, that we would listen to the voice of God, that we would be faithful in the little things and ultimately that we would use the influence that God has given us as his people, that we might draw all of the attention and the praise, not for ourselves, but for God who would work in us for his glory. So I would challenge you as we respond to this word today, I would challenge you to think about your life, to think about your circumstance and to think about the influence or maybe even perhaps we would say the opportunities for influence that God has given to you. And how will you use those for his kingdom? How will you use those opportunities of influence to point the way toward him? Just a moment, we're gonna have a time of response. And in our time of response today, our altars will be open. And my, my sincere desire is that we would fill these altars this morning with people whose hearts are ready to be used by God, with people who would fall on their knees before God and say, God, I want you to use me. Would you give me influence, not so that people would think much of me, but so that people would see you through me, that we would be a people who would be desperate to use the influence that God would give us to point others toward faith in Jesus. And so as we sing a song of response to him in a moment, we're going to sing the song, Just As I Am. 
And, and in this song, we sing about just as I am. God, would you, would you take me just as I am? God, would you, would you use me just as I am? Listen, God wants to take you. He's ready to take you just as you are. And he wants to use you through working in your life, through giving you influence as you are faithful in little things, that he might trust you with even bigger things. But I also want to point to this very important part of our, of our message this morning as well, and that is in the same way that God delivered his people from their oppression, God still delivers people from the oppression of sin today. And in this story, in this instance, God used Deborah and Barak and the armies of Israel to deliver his people. But today, God delivers people through the blood of his son Jesus that was poured out on a cross for us. And ultimately, we see that in the story of the judges, that each of these judges points the way for us for the true and greater judge, which was Jesus himself, who came and who stands ready to judge the righteous from the unrighteous, who stands ready to deliver us from the oppression of our sin by offering himself as a perfect sacrifice for us, Hebrews teaches us. So today, if you've never trusted in Jesus, I pray that you would trust in him by faith and that you would allow him to deliver you from your sin, the oppression of your sin, and then that you would use the influence that God wants to give you to point others to Jesus, that they may find the answer for all of life's questions in him. And so today, as we sing this song in a moment, I pray that you would respond by faith to him. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me now? And I wanna lead us in a word of prayer. After I do that, we will stand to sing this song together. And as we sing this song, if God's working in your heart and your life, then I urge you to come. Come and kneel here in the, at this altar this morning and, and ask God to use your influence to point others toward Jesus. Or come if you're ready today to surrender your life to Christ and be delivered from the oppression of your sin. Lord, would you work in us and through us to point others toward faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that you would use our influence not to make a name for ourselves, but to point others toward, toward you ultimately. Lord, work in us even now, we pray, so that you might receive the honor and the glory as you use us for your kingdom. I pray that you would draw all hearts to yourself now, God, that you would draw us toward faith in, in you, faith in Jesus Christ offered up for us on the cross, and then that we would respond in faith through small acts of faithfulness that we might use our influence for your kingdom and for your glory, just as we are, as we're about to sing. We pray this in your name this morning. Amen.